Welcome to the Cashflow Canucks podcast, where Canadian entrepreneurs and investors come to learn about wealth creation. Experts in their fields will join your host, Peter Lount, to share their successes, challenges, and discuss opportunities. Join me and my guest, Rocky Lalvani, as we talk about the perception of money that most entrepreneurs have and struggle with having. In this episode, Rocky shares the behavioral psychology side of finance and the principles that have helped his many clients understand the true harmony they need to have with their money and business. He believes in the importance of talking about money at a young age, address what money is to one's life, and embrace the essence of believing in success in order to truly achieve it. Welcome and enjoy. Today on Cashflow Connects, we have Rocky Lavalani. Rocky, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I Peter. said your name Excited wrong, didn't I? It's Lalvani. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> Lalvani, Lalvani. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. Um, do you mind uh, telling the Cashflow Connects community a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm a dad. I have uh, now. I have two kids in college, and uh, we launch them off. So that's kind of fun. We're starting the next phase of life in in doing that. Uh, from a background standpoint, I'm an immigrant to the United States. I came here when I was a little kid. My parents started over to create the American dream. So when they left India, they had $25 and we started on the wrong side of the tracks. But very quickly, our family uh, moved up the economic ladder, as did all the people around them who came over around the same time. So as a kid growing up, I kind of learned how to create success. I learned about money and there, there were always money conversations in the house of, of and with other people. People would just talk about money, which I never realized wasn't natural to everyone else. That's why I always struggled. I'm like, why aren't there more rich people? Why are people struggling with money? And then I found out most people don't talk about money. And it's absurd because we go to school, right? I have a Bachelor of Science in Economics. I have an MBA. They never taught me how to build wealth. It's absurd. Like, <laughs> why is that? And so that kind of took me down a long journey of trying to figure out what are some of those behavioral things. And I learned about behavioral psychology on the financial side and why people have a lot of these scripts that prevent them from success. So, you know, for most people, the number one block to financial well being is themselves. It's not society usually. I mean, there are bad things that do happen, but. More often than not, it's it's ourselves. And then continuing down that journey, I, I found out that business owners aren't accountants and they don't want to be and they don't look at their books. And so they make stupid business decisions. And it's because they have no idea what their cash flow is, where their profit is. And I'm like, you know what? These are the people that I can help the most that are willing to accept help. Because as a business owner, if you're not profitable, you're struggling and most business owners are willing to at least deal with that. So that's kind of what I do now is help business owners ensure that they're profitable. I look at their financials because they don't want to. It's not their thing. They want to go do what they love and serve the world in, in the way that they love to serve. So it's a perfect team up. Right. Nice. And so you, you, you're built in kind of the, the whole the life, life skills, the mindset as well. How important is to that? You can't do anything. That, wealth. What's that? 
Oh, great. It's, it's in terms number of growing one. wealth or growing profit in the business. Yeah. I'm, I mean, if you don't believe you can have success, you're not going to have success. So that's number one. Number two, I mean, just look at it this way. If somebody wins the lottery and they get all this money, chances of them keeping it are slim to none. They're usually broke within five to 10 years. Their life is worse off than before they won the lottery. If somebody gets an inheritance, most inheritances are blown in 18 months, right? What is it? It's because of their mindsets. They don't have the right mindsets to be able to handle the money and to make those choices. And it's something that we don't talk about enough is, is those stories. So I'll ask you a question, right? When you were a kid, your parents said something about money. What did they tell you? You're smiling. Go ahead. What did your kid, parents and your uh, family tell you about money? We can't afford it. Right. So here you are now as an adult with the thinking of, I can't afford this. It's, it's holding you back from those types of things in life. If, if you're one of those people who was told rich people are evil, you will never get rich because you don't want to be evil. Well, maybe it wasn't that they were evil. Maybe it was that, well, they're just rich. So it is, right? So it's not it, that so, they're evil, just they have it. So they were lucky, right? Rich people get lucky. Mm. So then- Or they're born you, into it or- Or born into it, right? So I can't get rich because I wasn't born into it and because I'm unlucky. Well, how are you going to get rich then? You have that limiting belief that's holding you back from success. And you've got to address all of those. And, and ask yourself those questions. You know, the, the question you ask yourself, and your guests can all do this, money is. And what is the answer to you? What is money to you? And what power, value, beliefs do you put around it? Right. And, and so the mindset is a big piece. The next piece, which it kind of gets, you know, pushed under the, under the, carpet a bit too is just financial acumen how much is how was money taught is it even taught right you, you talked about going to school economics mba all those pieces and how much did you learn about growing wealth like nothing hardly anything and and i'll be honest i think part of it is because who's going to make money if you get wealthy and what i mean by that is Everyone's going to make money by getting your money. So the guy selling automobiles is going to make money by you buying a car. The banker is going to make money by him loaning you the money to buy the car. Your neighbor is like, go buy a car so I can get my wife to let me buy a car, right? Everyone, your boss is go buy a car because then you'll need this job more. Who's saying to you, no, don't go buy a new car. There's no money in that. So nobody's telling you that message of you don't need a new car. You don't need to spend money. There's a cheaper, easier way to do this. Right. And so can you talk about um, Profit First, what, what you do there and how you help businesses with that specifically? So it's the same mindset that Profit First is. So Profit First is designed around the concepts of pay yourself first. Um, it's also designed on a couple of psychological principles. One of the psychological principles is something called Parkinson's Law. Are you familiar with that at all? Have you heard of it? Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. Because what I study is infinite banking, possibly okay. becoming your own banker. And it fits very nicely into profit first thing because it is, it's about paying yourself first. It's taking that profit that you talk about in profit first, but put it into your own bank and building that bank and using it and paying yourself back. Right. So that's a mindset thing as it's well. Right? It is so, very much but, of a mindset. So Parkinson's law, go, 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 go with that. With so the Parkinson's, Parkinson's law. law is basically that, um, and it was based more on time. So however much time you give, you're given to do a job, you will take. So a classic example is, is in school, if you were given three weeks to do a report, it would take you three weeks. If you're given three hours to do something, you will do it in three hours. So time expands to the, the work expands to the time allocated. And so if you can squish down the amount of time to do something, you'll get it done quickly. And even when you had three weeks to do your report, you, you, you waited till the 19th day, then you started looking at it in the last six hours, you got it done. So the reality is, is you could have gotten that report done in six hours, but it expanded to the time allocated. Same thing happens for money. Right. If if you have a bunch of money, you just tend to spend without thinking. Businesses do it all the time in the sense that, you know, the sales reps first question to you is, what's your budget for this? What's your budget for the website? I have a ten thousand dollar budget. Guess what the proposal is? Ten thousand dollars. Right. It expands. If you go, my budget's a thousand dollars. You'll find a way to build a website for a thousand dollars. And so it's that is the underlying principle that that is there, and it, it applies to time, it applies to money, and it's one of the underlying principles in profit first. The second thing is changing the equation. So the standard equation from your accountant is sales minus expenses equals profit, which means profits last. It's a leftover. So Mike changed the equation to sales minus profit equals expenses. So you take your profit first, you pay yourself first, and then you're insured that it gets done and you don't spend it. Because when you see that big account full of money, as a business owner, you, you think you need to, to allocate it and spend it to grow your business. But the reality is that's the wrong mindset. You don't need to always spend money to grow the business. And the purpose of your business is to make a profit. But if you're spending it all, you'll never have any. Right. You can have lots of lots of revenue coming in. You can double your business, but it doesn't mean that you actually have anything even coming back to you at the end of the day. Correct. People get Most lost in that, I think, in terms of trying to, from a growth perspective. So most business owners and what we're told is grow top line revenue. But if you're, if you're growing unprofitable revenue, you're never going to get off the hamster wheel. It's never going to happen because even though you're growing and as you grow, things get more complicated. So your profit margins actually go down and more and more mistakes get made. And so even that squishes profit further. If you're not profitable now, you'll never grow to profitability usually. And so you've got to switch the whole mindset up front. Most business owners don't even know where their profit comes from. So if you look at an average business, you ask them what their profit margin is on something, they more than likely won't know. And if you ask them which of their products are most profitable, they, they might think they know, but until you go look at the numbers and actually do the math, most of them don't have clarity on that. And the bigger the company, the less the clarity. And how, um, how easy is it to integrate this process? 
So integrating profit first is relatively easy, but that's just step one. So with profit first, what they do is uh, you, it's the same concept as Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey talks about the envelope system. You give every dollar a job and you, you put it where it belongs and then you only use it till it's done. And when it's done, you can't spend on that until you get more money. Profit for, and that's the same as Parkinson's law, right? You'll, you only have what's allocated, figure out how to make it work. Profit First does the same thing. You set up your bank accounts, your tax account, your pay account, your profit account, your operating expense accounts, and you put money where it belongs. And that at least forces you to see where your money is going. So setting that up, that's easy. Actually going through your your actual expenses and asking yourself, this expense that I just made, does it bring me revenue? So if I'm in a in a business of of selling something, you know, clearly if I'm selling shirts, I have to buy a shirt to sell a shirt. So I know that this shirt that I bought that I'm selling is going to bring me revenue. But what are all the other things that go along with that that may not bring me revenue? Maybe I decide I need a fancy store to sell that shirt. The reality is you don't. I mean, you've told yourself you do and you might overspend on that. And then, you know, some people want fancy offices. Oh, I need a car. I need a, car, a truck now to drive my shirts around. So you go buy a fancy truck because your accountant says you can write it all off and you won't pay taxes this year. See, we get back into that whole vicious cycle. Um, so it's going through every line item of your company spending and saying, do I need this? Does it generate the bottom line? Then there are some things that we need but we can find a way to cut costs on. So clearly I need a software system to track everything, but what software system and how much should I pay for it? And then there's all the vanity spending that entrepreneurs love to to spend on. They want to feel good. I don't blame them, but know that it's vanity spending and it's coming directly out of your profit. Right. And so just it's creating a behavior at the end of the day, right? You're creating a template, but just enforcing behavior that we're not used to. I think just, you know, my process of becoming a baker is very similar in terms of just, it's, it's, it's a process. It's not just, okay, you get this implemented. It's good to go. It's, it's a habit you have to create. Yeah. It's, it's a constant review and measurement, right? You guys play sports games, you know, can you imagine playing a game and not having a score? You can't do that. Right. You have a financial scorecard in your business. Are you keeping score? And at the end of the day, you win not by top line revenue, you win by bottom line profit. How much did you actually get to keep from your business? And that's a scorecard. And right. it shouldn't be a scorecard you get once a year at tax time when the accountant says, congratulations, you're profitable. He said, you made money this year. And you're like, where is that money? And he just laughs at you and says, he, you spent it. Right. It's not even real. It's a paper profit. Right. Hey, I, want, I want to dig back into um, just your upbringing. You talked about money as, you know, it sounds like you, I'm not sure if it was just in the family or just the people you hung out with, the neighborhood, all that. Like, was it just, just ingrained into, so would you say for you, it's been kind of generational? I also feel like, you know, having been an immigrant, not myself, but yourself, like how much of an impact that has, like to have that 
mindset to be able to, I, I, I live like to, in context of you, I probably live like 15 miles from where I grew up, right? Like I've never really moved that far for that family to have that, I guess, looking for something bigger, greater for the family. Is that kind of what, um, what drove them? It was what drove them is to have bigger, greater and to create better opportunities for the family. So, at, you know, at that time, there were, I think, a lot more opportunities in America and India didn't have as many opportunities as they do today. Today, people are less likely to leave because there are more opportunities in India um, for a good life there. So they did do that. I think culturally, we are just more apt to talk about money. We're in, in society in India, you negotiate, like negotiations part of daily life. You know, you don't just go to the stall and pay something, you know, it's a back and forth. And so it's a much more normal conversation a, a lot of times for, for people to ask for discounts, to negotiate, um, to question, why am I spending this money on that? And I think it's just more that type of a belief system. Plus, we weren't marketed to like you are today. Like you're constantly told, buy this and it'll solve your problem. Well, how many times have you bought things that are going to make you happy and you're still unhappy? The stuff isn't going to make you happy. But those commercials are phenomenally good at taking your money away, entertaining you for a moment of happiness. Absolutely. But it, we, we talk about talking about money and negotiating all that. There is a diff, there is a fine line between going with an abundant mindset versus a scarcity mindset too, right? Because that can go either way, even if you're negotiating per se. It, it can. Negotiations need to be win-win for both sides. It shouldn't be a win-lose type of battle because that doesn't serve either of you. Um, if you're in that type of a mindset of win-lose, eventually the only people who are going to sell to you are people who are going to figure out how to sell you crap because that's the only way that they're going to survive. And then you really haven't won either. So yeah, I, there is, it, it's a balance. It very much is. Life is all about, and I hate the word balance because everyone thinks balance means equal and life is not about equal. Life is more about harmony. So it, it is, it's a much more fluid type of thing. Um, and it depends where you are. Like if you've only got so much money at the moment, well, you've got to spend less. You can't go into debt and spend more than you have. So from that standpoint, it's, it's figuring that out. It, right. At the bottom line, you, spending you, less than that comes in, whether it's personal or business, you have to spend less than that's coming in and you have to make choices. Where do you want to spend and how do you want to spend? Right. And then, so we, when we were talking before um, this interview, I guess you talked about, you have a couple podcasts, right? You have one, the profit answer, man, the other one, Richard soul. How did those evolve and how do they relate to each other? So Richard soul is the original tagline is life beyond money. You got rich now. What? And, and the, the concept behind that is, we all chase, at least here, we all chase the American dream, which is a money dream. But even when you get the money and you get the nice house and you have the nice cars, it 
doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be happy. So what does it mean to truly live that richer, more meaningful life? And so we, there are a couple of tenets. And number one is knowing your purpose. So being clear, what do you want out of life? What, what have you defined and written down as your life plan for what your dreams and desires are? So that's the number one thing. Unless you know where you're going, you're never going to get there. The second thing is, comes back to what you talked about, which is mindset. What are, do you, what are the mindsets that you have and are they the correct mindsets that serve you to have a better life? And then we sit down and we create harmony with our health, our wealth, our time, our relationships, and our spirituality. And how do all those different parts of life weave together? You know, I always give the example, if you're driving a Ferrari and you have a flat tire, it doesn't matter, right? You're going nowhere. Same thing with your, your, your life. You know, if your health is gone, you'll give away all your money to get it back. You know, if you've got all this money and your relationship sucked, your, your spouse will take it and leave. Your business partner will take it and leave. Um, so it's, it's balancing that. It's balancing, you know, how do you give back, which comes back to the spirituality part? What are your beliefs and, and how do you kind of fit into this universe? And, and I don't tell people what to believe on that. You got to figure out for yourself, what is that for you? And then how do you manage your time, right? Everyone is talks about money, but what's more precious than money is time. And the older you get, the more you realize that. You only have so much time and you don't know how much you have. So you can't even quantify it and say, well, this is how much I have. And it's also managing your time, right? Because we all have the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How come some people are doing so much and other people are getting nowhere? It's because you manage your time better and you put systems and processes in place to do that. Yeah, that was kind of my next question. How do you put this all to practice? There's so you've got all these buckets, and I guess going distilling back to your your purpose, right? Is it how do you practice it? Is it do you do you have this written down? Do you have like a daily routine? Do you have do you meditate? Like what are those what are the things that kind of that you do to bridge it all together? All of the above. <laughs> so yes, I have a yeah. written life plan. So I have a written life plan. It talks about the major areas of my life. It talks about what I want from the major areas of my life. So now I have a framework of what do I want? Now, how do I start building the life to do that? So if you tell me, hey, I've got kids and I want to spend time with my kids, does your calendar have time blocks to be with your kids? Is it there and available? I want, I want to go and work out five days a week. Okay. Does your calendar have time blocks for you to work out five days a week? I want a date night with my spouse. Okay. Does your calendar have a date night with your spouse? You know, I want to, whatever it is you want to do, where is it showing up on your calendar? And do you have that time set aside? Now, is everything perfect? No, life is never perfect. That's why we talk about harmony. You've got a wife, a kids, work, you know, you might have other family obligations. Those things come and go. And at different points and times of the week or for the month, you know, sometimes certain things take over. So it's not a perfect, it's not a balance of every week I'm going to do this. You might say to yourself, you know what, I'm about to launch a 
new product at work, or I'm doing something at work that's going to take up all my time. So you go to your family and you go to your relationships and say, the next month I, I have to go do this, leave me alone. But then the month after that, you come back and say, okay, I'm turning the work off now and I'm going to give an abundance of time to you to make up for what we didn't do last month. So it isn't so fixed. It's very fluid. But over time, you have to make sure that you are actually doing what you said you would. Right. Fair enough. And I guess it, it also prepares you yeah, for when life happens. You've got these these processes in place so that you can adapt to it. I think, yeah, absolutely. As in, whether or not you're an entrepreneur, just life happens in general, right? And being able mm -hmm. to adapt to it or pivot or transition is, uh, is probably maybe more powerful than anything, right? Just being adaptable. It is, and that's a mindset, right? So the mindset is, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? Or the mindset is, what can I learn from this opportunity? What does this make possible? I was just, I was on a call this morning and, and the one guy um, had had some issues at work. He got bit by a dog. And so now he can't walk. So the question he said is, what does this make possible? Well, I've been wanting to work on my writing. Well, now I can sit down and work on it. So now it makes this possible. So look at that wonderful mindset, not woe is me. I can't do this. It's, hey, wh what does this open up for me? What, what What's next? Yeah, sometimes it is and when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to find, but to find meaning in those situations. Correct. In the midst of it, it's always hard. <laughs> it's a lot easier looking back. Um, but that, again, is is your outlook on life, which comes back to mindset. Right. So someone like yourself, what, um, you know, what, how has, has your life changed much since um, since covid you know, say end of March to now, and then two parts is going to be what's what's next for you. What's the, yeah? So I was doing a lot of in-person events, networking, connecting, and COVID essentially shut that down. But overnight, what disappeared in in-person was three times as opportune on Zoom, and so it immediately skyrocketed. Like the opportunities opened up tremendously. And not only did the opportunities open up, but all the people that you never could talk to before because they were too busy running around on planes and too, too, you know, too many events and bookings, all of a sudden their schedules were wide open. And so the opportunity to connect just dramatically shifted. So again, it created a ton of opportunities. So from that standpoint, COVID has changed. The second thing that COVID did was, if I had a conversation with you last year about your financials and your business and making sure that you're, you're putting money aside to deal with storms and you need to have better financial discipline, all those business owners were kind of laughing. They're like, yeah, I can just generate more revenue. Well, COVID taught them that is not always the case. So it's kind of really made the desire to have uh, a more profitable business and create that financial discipline in your business much, much more important. So that's probably the big shift. Um, I'm just continuing to go out and serve and help people. And I'm just going to keep doing that. I love what I do. It's not, it doesn't feel like work. It It's fun. 
And so I just continue to do it more and more. Yeah, it's not the key to is to, to be passionate about what you do. It's not about necessarily the money per se, as much as, you know, how you serve people and how energizing that can be in itself. Exactly. That's a big part of it. If you don't, if you don't love what you do, then you're not going to do it well because you don't care. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, they're stuck with that. But when you love what you do and you have fun, then you're more willing to put the effort in and people appreciate that. And then they appreciate you. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy. Yeah. Rocky, I really appreciate you spending your time with me today to share to the Cashflow Canucks community about your journey and how you help businesses um, find profit in their business and also shift their mindset as well. Um, Can you let us know how best for them to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, If you want to hear my podcast, the one is Profit Answer Man and the other one is Richer Soul. And then if you want to email me, it's, it's Rocky at either one of those.com. So Rocky at richersoul.com or Rocky at uh, profitanswerman.com. Happy to connect and help everyone out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rocky. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me today. It's been a blast. Thank you for taking time to listen to the Cash Flow Canucks podcast. You'll be able to find out more about our guests and how to connect with them in the show notes for this episode. Would you like to learn the secret way savvy investors and smart entrepreneurs are turning their expenses into positive cash flow? Then you want to read the Infinite Banking Concept book. For a limited time, I am giving away free copies of this book valued at $30. If you want a copy, just email me, Peter, with the subject line book to peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. Again, if you want a free copy of the Infinite Banking Concept book, just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca with the subject line book and your mailing address, and I'll send you a copy. You'll finally understand how the wealthy elite is turning everyday expenses into cash flow. Just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. 